Today on Inside the Ropes, holy cow, what a weekend. Colin Morikawa, Gabby Ruffles, and a chat about all things coming up at the Women's British Open. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show, it is Inside the Ropes, episode 176 on one of the most significant weeks, I reckon, for golf in 2020, in the bizarre year that 2020 has been, at least. I reckon we walk away from this week um, thinking that we might have seen something that we're going to be quite happy to carry out of 2020 and beyond, Uh, it was pretty special not only what we saw at the PGA Championship, but in the US Women's Amateur. That was unbelievable stuff. And on the LPGA Tour, a, a gruelling train wreck of a conclusion there. Gee, there was some stuff to talk about this week. Massive show coming up. Stacey Peters and Mark Hayes, who's about to join us, catch up with Gabby Ruffles a bit later on in the show. Big preview of a massive three or four weeks in the women's game coming up um, and a whole review of what's taking place around the world. Hazy, um I think after that weekend and, and Monday our time, I think we all just need to sit back and relax a little bit. That was uh, there was a lot to consume over over the last four or five days. Unbelievable, Andy, and we've been sort of hanging out for it. Obviously, nearly four hundred days uh, since we last had a major championship on the men's side of things, and it was just a that was a joy to have it back, even though it was sort of slightly weird without the crowd in San Francisco. Having it on the West Coast was great for us. We could all see it at a reasonable time. Um, But yeah, as you say, throwing in the drama that happened um, on the two sides of the women's game, the pro and the amateur. It was just one of those crazy days. And I I think we'll be talking particularly about um, Gabby, but also Colin Morikawa for a long time ahead. Well, we've, we've sort of we've been quite happy to talk about Colin Morikawa on on this show for a little while now, haven't we? I mean, we, we've been um, embracing this kind of wave of you know young players who have come on to the tour, and those three in particular, they're, they're going to be the standard bearers for the next wave. And you know, Matthew Wolf was spectacular in the last day, and you know, but for a missed putt here or there, he could have finished. He could have been right in the mix. I mean, he. You, and this is a, this is a story that can be said of six or seven players, I reckon, who were in that cluster right at the end. Yeah, he'll become a footnote to the 2020 PGA, but you can imagine him taking a far bigger place in upcoming ones. And honestly, the five or six hole stretch that he put on around the turn oh. on uh, on the final day that was. That was as good as you could ever see. That was unbelievable. Mm. I don't care who it was, Tiger, Jack, Hogan, anyone. That was for five holes, for three quarters of an hour, that was unbelievable from Matt Wolf. And if he does that again at some stage, he's, he's going to put his head across the line first. Oh, I think it's a given, isn't it? I mean, you, you assume nothing. And, and you know, I made a stupid comment the other day about what lies in store for Colin Morikawa when I was asked to make a prediction by uh, your friend and mine, Robert Murphy. How many majors will he win? I stupidly said, without having given it, given it a second's thought prior to that, but but I said 10. This bloke will win 10 majors, and that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> he, may, he may never win another one because they're not easy to win, but the way he put this away, the way he controlled himself uh, and just picked it off. The, the way he just picked it off down the stretch and did not look like... A, he didn't look like, look like missing a shot, even though he hit that really chunky wedge into about... I can't remember what hole it was now. About 14 or 
15, he hit a you know, poor wedge from the middle of the fairway, short right. 14. But then to sort of get up and down the way he did, and then that drive, the, the shot he hit on 16, I, I hope that that goes down in the annals of great shots in major championship history. That, that, that should sit alongside. Didn't have the dramatic commentary, and it didn't have the sound effects from, generated by the crowd. But that 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 has every right to sit alongside any shot you've ever seen anyone play at a big moment of a major golf championship. Yep, yeah, I've been doing a lot of radio this week, Andy, in different areas in my other role, and I think I think it's clearly for me the, the best shot since Tiger's shot at the 2005 Masters when he, you know, played that amazing bank shot uh, on the 16th green to beat Chris DeMarco ultimately. Um, it may even be better than that. It's just this, the sound and things around it make Tigers such a special memory. Mm. But I was reading something um, with a fair bit of interest about the US PGA, not the tournament, but the PGA of America's historian, and he had it ranked in the top four. He wouldn't be drawn on the, um, you know, which order they should be in, but he had yep. it in the top four shots of all time in the PGA Championship. Wow. So, um, for, for a bloke playing his first PGA, uh, his only second major, you sort of gloss over this stuff. He's been a pro for less than 18 months, Andy. It's unbelievable uh, what he's doing. It's crazy, Hosey. It's crazy. I saw one of the, one of the American uh, golf riders, um, and I should have written the number down, but uh, he's been a pro for 15 months, and in career earnings now, he's already made 6.15 million US dollars. <laughs> in fi- that, that's, It's something around about that. Somebody will correct me on the act, but it's over... Six million bucks he's made in fifteen months as a pro. He's, he's he must pretty, have been wondering how special. long this been going on. <laughs> exactly. Um, what do you reckon? I, I've said ten, so that's my stake in the ground. I have to live with that now. Well, give me give me a well, number. Can, What's he going to do? Before I give you a number, can I give us both an uppercut? Do you mind? Go no, go your hardest. Yep. <laughs> well, you and I. It seems every time something happens that's supremely eye-catching and we're not alone by the way but we all jump up and go oh geez Kepka's going to win 10 or 12 and um you know I was asked yesterday on another radio station again geez can you rank Scott and Day's career because they seem to have been a little bit disappointing and I'm like god they're so hard to win these major championships I mean Day and Scott have been awesome for you know a decade and they've got two between them and um the other day, Brooks Kepka looked like an also ran. I might, we might even talk about that, but it, yeah. they're so hard to win. Dustin Johnson's fallen at so many hurdles. Jordan Speed's gone off the boil. Justin Thomas coming. These young kids well, coming. Ask, then there's Ram and, and Paul, then there's McElroy. Go and ask Paul Casey how are they out to win? Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I saw a, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Day again in, in a minute, so maybe I won't use this stat now, but um, look. To give you a number right now, the sky, the sky looks the limit, but it makes Tigers 15 and Jack's 18 look pretty bloody special, if you ask me, yeah. when you see. Yeah. I know the depth now seems to be greater than once it was, but, uh, gee, I don't know, Andy. If he, if he, if he, got, to, if he got to two, would it be a great career? But That's let's, true. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say six for the moment. Let's just temper it. Well, but look, the, the, the best thing about that for me, Andy, what he did the other day, was among a field of bombers when he was clearly not the longest hitter on that leaderboard. In fact, he was ostensibly the shortest that he guided the ball around a fairly long course with fairly difficult rough uh, to a, to a degree that the others couldn't keep up with him. And sure he played two, 
you know, out of this world shots, but he composed himself to do it and did it without the massive club in his hands. I mm. thought it was just fantastic. Oh, even his, I mean, he's he's missed his shot into eighteen. Like he, he clearly did not mean to hit that at the pin. And you know, the minute he <laughs> sort of made contact with it, you could tell that it wasn't wasn't a pure strike. So he's probably got a bit lucky with that. I mean, that could have that could have gone ten meters left of you know where where it ended up, and he could have been in real trouble. That could have been a really dicey little moment um, presenting itself to him there. But uh, look, it's these are the things you need every now and again, don't you? And I, I, yes, you do absolutely. I think he might have even said "get lucky" there when he hit it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I uh, was, as everyone, astounded to see so many names right at the top of the leaderboard for so long. They joined each other at nine, then they went again at ten, and then it went again at eleven. And it was always going to take something special to break that. Otherwise, we would have had a yeah. playoff that might still be going. So. Yeah. Um, could you believe that they were considering a playoff with every person involved? They could have been going around in an eight ball, Andy. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> well, with, with an with an hour to go, there was a seven way tie. With, with, yeah. From from as, the, as your back time, it with an hour before Morikawa hold his winning putt. An hour prior to that, there were seven players tied for the lead. And the great thing about this one was there's a lot of great things about this one, um, but the great thing about it was nobody really. Choked. I mean, Kepka had a bad day by his standards, but um, they all played really well. Like you know, Finau played well. Scheffler played great. Wolf played great. Deschambeau had his moments, but still played pretty solid. Day was terrific. I think mm-hmm. Jason Day um, hold nothing. In fact, this if you go back, if you go back and have a look at the tournament, I was very much looking at it through a Jason Day prism. But on Friday and Saturday of the tournament, so Saturday Sunday our time, he hold nothing. He probably played tee to green as well as anyone. I don't know what the numbers tell us. I don't, I don't do a deep dive into the stats. But he was knocking the pin out, and his ball control and, and distance control was magnificent. His wedge play was as good as any player in the field. And he hit a lot of good putts, like so many good putts for 36 holes that just didn't go in. It wasn't through, you know, he wasn't missing them by a long way or, or had a poor stroke going or any of that. He, he just had one of those runs where the thing just didn't drop. And he got one that did the circle on on Monday morning our time that might have been a bit of it that put him right back maybe into a share of the lead, I think, that birdie. But um, a couple went in for him, and he, he holed out. He made some clutch save putts too. There's a lot to like about Dave's performance. Yeah, I really liked the way, he's, as you say, his birdie putts and, and et cetera didn't drop, but I really liked what he did with the uh, saving putts that to me harked back to three mm. or four years ago when he was, you know, at the pointy end of the world rankings. And uh, Andy, I'm going to, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to indulge Ben Everill here. I'm just going to uh, read some of the stats that he's put out on Twitter here. Right. He's, I'm not sure if he's had his pants on when he was writing this, to be honest with you, but <laughs> let's go. Right. Uh, this is, and this is how good, uh, Jason Day has been and also further back to that point about Colin Morikawa this is how hard it is to win Jason Day's played 38 majors he's had well, obviously the one win at the PGA five years ago he's had 16 top 10s and 10 top 5s and we sit and criticise him me included like I'm at the top of that yeah. list I've said he's underachieved yeah. um, that is an extraordinary uh, run of consistency and Further to the form that he's in, he's four top tens in the last four weeks on the PGA Tour or at the four starts, anyhow. 
38 starts, 10 top five, 16 top tens. That's an exemplary yeah. career. It's, it's a fantastic major championship career. Um, and in his career now, 267 starts, 12 wins, 10 seconds, five thirds, and 78 top tens. That's a hell of a career. Maybe I should just give yeah. myself another uppercut, Andy. I'm going to be bruised no, here. No, 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 because those numbers would tell you that we're talking about uh, one of the one of the uber elite players in World Cup. And, and, and from a PGA Tour perspective, they are elite numbers. 12 wins, that's great, right? Fantastic. But I don't think Jason Day would disagree with you. I reckon Jason Day would agree with you, Hazy, that I should have won, not... not because of Metallon, because he's put himself in the mix. He should have won it. Look, he's every... He should... He, he could have. Could have, should have. Augusta on a couple of... I mean, there's no doubt he could easily have a green jacket hanging in the wardrobe. Yeah. No question about that. Maybe he could have won two. this. Maybe two, exactly. So I don't think Jason Day would be disagreeing with you. Um, thinking about Morikawa, and, and I saw Jack put the tweet out. So, you know, Jack's fully aware of... History and all the rest of it. So four players have won the PGA Championship at 23 years of age. Do you know who they are? I've, I've been spouting this one, so yes. Oh, go on. You, 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 you tell us. Well, I think it's McElroy, Tiger, Jack, and Morikawa. And Colin. And Colin with, with, Colin. with the two L's. <laughs> and Colin. Colin Morawawa. Um, uh, so... You know, if 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 you're looking for something like a launch pad, oh. okay, that'll do. You know, if and the best is going to be Nicholas and the worst is going to be McElroy, then somewhere in between, that's going to be going to be pretty good, I reckon. You know, that'll work for the Morikawa family, I reckon. And four that'll guys work for the Morikawa family. Yeah, four yeah, guys yeah. Um, under the age of 26 in the top 10. Um, it, was, it, was awesome. it was awesome. We talk about the depth, you know, Johnson Day, Casey. Uh, Rose, all those guys, um, you know, who've been there knocking on the door. Probably need to talk about Dustin Johnson, but uh, they're really hard to win. But that generation's going to get supplanted, if not soon. It's it's foreseeable, mate. It feels like the Spieth, Thomas, Fowler, <laughs> you know that that cohort. It feels like they're under pressure. I mean, <laughs> they were the standard bearers post Tiger. They yep. were the ones that were supposed to, you know, light the keep the flame flickering um, for for golf internationally, or certainly from a PGA Tour perspective. <laughs> no, no, you blokes, you better lift because <laughs> there's you know Champ, Scheffler, all the, and along with the other three that when Hovland, we haven't. There, there's they're the ones that are now, and they've all got. They don't give a stuff about anything. These kids, they just mm. they take it on. So. You know, hopefully a couple of our young blokes who are showing now, you know, underneath what we saw at Harding Park, and we'll we'll, we'll have to get a ring on it because we're on limited time today. But um, there's there's a couple of our blokes who easily, and I say easily, easily could find themselves in that in that cluster of players. It, won't, it doesn't won't. It's not going to take much, I don't think. And this might be a big call, but I don't think it's going to take much for blokes like Minwoo Lee, Ryan Ruffles. Curtis Luck, 
I know there's a there's a gap there's there's a there's a there's a gap that they've got to close and it's a and it's a widening gap seems to be a widening gap in the minds of many at the moment the, the, our guys aren't even in the conversation we, we make them in part of the conversation because we're looking at it through an Australian lens but the, our guys hit the ball as well as these blokes do they just got to learn four rounds under the pump composure get more experience I, I can. I, don't, I reckon one of one or two of our fellas can find themselves amongst this kind of tidal wave of young players that are engulfing the game at the moment. Oh, I stand to be corrected, but I reckon that if we look back, we'd find Zach Murray and Colin Morikawa in a late-round US amateur fight about three years ago, uh, and they punched hard at each other all day. You know, it was that's what we're talking about. I mean, at the same level, um, you know, they've they exhibit the same characteristics and traits. I've banged on about this for years, Andy. It's all a matter of our guys getting a fair crack at it. Um, I'm not, yeah, and I'm not yeah. bitching or whinging about that. It's just they need a break. Um, it's much easier for sponsors to give an American kid a start out of college than it is yeah, to give a, yeah. an Australian kid a start out of an interstate series. Um, I get that. Yep, so true. Uh, so yep. these guys need to do the hard yards to get there. There's no doubt in my mind that the guys you mentioned and Brett Coletta, for another example, That's exactly. Yep. You know they could if if you put them on a you know a eighteen hole match against Colin Morikawa, they'd fancy their chances. And that just shows you everything about a how composed Morikawa is in a major championship already, and b the small gap between what we're churning out and the best in the world. It's not that it's not yeah. that significant, but it, it's all no, about opportunity. I agree. Uh, Scotty was good, you know. First up from a spell, you know. I know he's been playing golf and hanging out at you know um, a couple of courses around sort of Queensland and having a bit of fun. But um, he, he was he was terrific, Adam Scott. Yeah, he just had a couple of shots that just smacked of tournament rust. But other than that, he would have been yeah. right in the mix as well. I thought he was extremely encouraging with what's lying ahead for him. Uh, any last words? Any any last points you want to make before we get a wriggle on? Uh, no, I, I, it's sort okay. of... No, I, I think it was fantastic. I do think we need to mention Dustin Johnson just briefly because he's... Yep. Record, he's, he's won more than 20 times on the PGA Tour. He looks like an Adonis. He smashes it a billion miles, and he's suspect under pressure on the last day of the major championships. It's as simple as that. Um, his mm. talent warrants a lot more than one win. He's another example of how hard these things are to win. Four times now, and he's led the record in the history of golf into a major championship on after 54 holes and not got the job done. It's uh, mm. That's a record you don't want to have. No, no, you do not. So, uh, and we and we do spare a thought for Paul Casey. That sixty um, fourth time he's teed it up in a major, he was you know he made, he played a lot of great shots. He played really well. He didn't lose this because of an inability to close it out. He just got beaten by he just got beaten by a kid that might be pretty special, I reckon. As did um, Johnson, for that matter. I mean, they obviously finished yeah, level with yeah. each other. Johnson and That's Casey right. shouldn't yeah. rain on Johnson's braid fully, but. That just shows you how special Morikawa was. So, yeah, full credit. Dushambo's going to win one, isn't he? One of oh, those days. Probably. Jeez, probably. If he just turns the corner on the etiquette stuff, I'm, I'll be with him because I like the fact that he speaks his mind. I, I, I was drawn to the conversations between him and Kepka and then Kepka and McElroy through the media for the last 10 yep. or 12 days, Andy. I, I really liked that mm. they're speaking their mind, all of them. I... I you know, I don't necessarily agree with DeChambeau for the time being, but I love that 
um, Kepka speaks his mind. I think I really enjoy his work uh, off the course too. Well, I encourage everybody if you if you liked if you felt like there was a more they were a bit more of a giving um, playing group through the PGA Championship this year from a media perspective. Go and have a read of Jeff Shackelford's website today. And he's listed about the 20 things that he didn't miss um, in the 2020 uh, PGA Championship. And on about 11 or 12 occasions, he mentioned something to do with player agents because they weren't there. Oh. Um, so, And you know this better than most. I mean, you've, this has been a constant battle of yours for a long time. That's the bane of my life in my job, mm. player managers. And it's not yep. on the players. So they don't think they're too good to come and talk to anyone that's not how they roll they're, they're good blokes as a rule and good women they're just fantastic but when the people who try and squeeze 10 or 20 percent out of them without um, thinking about the impact of their decisions stand in the way it's a very hard pill to swallow yep um you, you there's you, you and stace of court are going to catch up with uh, gabby ruffles so i well, it's not spend too much time on her now but um she was that was <laughs> it was great to watch it was. It was. It felt like on on various occasions. It felt like either of them had it in the palm of their hand, and in the end, it was just a you know putt that she probably missed by half an inch that could have easily dropped that didn't that didn't see it go at least to the thirty ninth. But what a fantastic couple of years she's had! What a magnificent couple of years she's had. Uh, to get to the match play phase of a U.S. amateur is unbelievable. You know her. Loss ended an 11-match winning streak, Andy, on the USGA to start her senior women's amateur career on the USGA. That broke a record of 100 years standing. It was only one person has won more than that to start their USGA career, and that was uh, a woman back in 1909, 10, and 11. So it puts it in perspective what she's done here. Um, I was gutted when when she... Actually, to be honest, I was gutted more on the 36th hole because those things yeah. happened there on the 38th. But yep. what happened on the 36th hole, and we'll ask her about that, is just it, it'll actually it'll torture me this year if we don't go on and win something more as a country because it was breathtaking. She's a real player. She's such an athletic... Um, she, and given the fact that you know, it's, it, she's learning, like she's, yeah. she, she's on the way. She was playing tennis until about... Four or five years. When did she take the game up seriously? Like, uh, she's been playing competitively for five years now. So she okay, tinkered well, with it six years ago. And yeah. I, look, she she often mentions. I'm sure she will when she talks to Stace and I. How um, she's learning, and she's she she mm. feels like she's improving every time she stands on the first tee, which I think is just an incredible sign when you've already got this resume about what lies ahead. I think it's you know real. Uh, special stuff that we're witnessing yeah, it's here. Gonna be, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, right, okay, so, so that's that. The, the the last 20 minutes of the LPGA Tour event was as difficult to watch as anything you will see in the world of sport this year, I reckon. That was, yeah. oh boy, that was hard to watch. Yeah, well, I'll ask Stace about that too, Andy. That was gut-wrenching. And uh, Lydia Ko, um, if she hasn't if she wasn't the classy human being that she was, she could have gone and found a rock and, you know, emerged in 2022. And uh, amazingly, she just answers the questions and, and pushes on as if nothing's happened. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure she's bleeding, bleeding. Yeah. Six oh, shots, shit, of, do, five shots in six holes. Unbelievable. 
No, it was hard to believe. It was hard to watch. Um, uh, we'll, of course, we'll I said the that. last 20 minutes, but it was un- it was unravelling for for the hour before that, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, no. Uh, so, Danielle Kang, so wins back-to-back. So, that's, you know, we, we, we congratulate her, and, and that's noteworthy. That That is hard to do on a tour as deep as the LPGA. So, uh, well done to her. Minji Lee just continues. We, we say this woman, I it's like falling out of bed, Minji Lee having a top 10 finish. Um, she's just... She's a machine. Um, uh, fantastic. Oh, we'll ask Stace about her too then. I think um, what she does just is the most underrated thing in Australian sport, to be honest. I, I don't Sim- disagree with that. simple as that. Yep. Yep. In, fact, in fact, the Lees and the Ruffles, these are, this is a hell of a story. That we've got two brother and sister combos you know, on the world stage doing what they're doing. And yet in Australia, there's outside of... Our community, um, there's there's not really seemingly an appetite for people to pick that story up. It's um, I think I think we're miss the broader sports community is missing out on something. I reckon by not having an appetite for that. Um, Andy Sullivan, yeah, go on. Yep. Well, I just wanted to say that you know I put out a tweet um, mid 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 week of the U.S. Women's Amateur, um, just saying I hope that the mass media in Australia can uh, understand the magnitude of what it is that she's doing. And naturally it didn't happen other than um, AAP did some outstanding coverage. They were brilliant um, as always, but if it doesn't, if it falls on a blind eye on an editor's desk in major newspapers in Australia or at the TV stations who had ample access to that footage all week, um, I don't know what we have to do honestly, to to um, to make that as interesting as we think it is. Uh, oh, I, no, no, I no, it's, it's, a... not, it's not the fault of... Yeah, no, no, it's not the fault of anybody in the golf industry. It's not the fault of anyone in golf. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a... It's part of the... It's a bit... There's a bit of a general laziness, I reckon, beyond... That, that exists in sport departments, in the mainstream media that are there to tell all stories. They're very, you know, football-centric... And we understand why, you know. It's but, but no, no. I think there's just a bit of laziness. It's it's um. This is, and I'm probably I'm probably guilty of this. I should probably, you know, sh- shoehorn more into the silly radio show that I do um, than I do. But um, yeah. So I think we've all got a bit of it. All of us outside of those who are telling us about the story, I think we've all got a bit of responsibility to take for it not being as and well known as it should be. It- it might be the problem of things like this podcast too, Andy, that, you know, we talk to ourselves, we don't engage a new audience. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a, um, a symptom of our language that we use, that it makes people not want to hear it or I don't know, but it just seems like we're in a bubble talking to ourselves the yeah. whole time. We all well, admire what, what Gabby yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'm sure that sooner or later, and it'll be sooner rather than later, Australian sporting community will be talking about them because they'll, they'll force themselves upon the consciousness yeah. of the Australian sports community, I think, and, the, and those who make the decisions to put things on, on the tally. Um, Andy Sullivan, outstanding, seems to be a really likeable bloke. I've never met him, but he always comes across as being a bloke who's... I could be barking up the wrong tree, but he has a, he's a terrific win in the English Championship. You know, Jason Scrivener keeps just ticking along. You know, He was in the mix there for a little while, but... Minwoo Lee's the, with, with all due respect to Scriv, Minwoo Lee's the real exciting one. He's just, four rounds is the challenge at the moment, seemingly for mm-hmm. him, but 
Geez, um, he's got a game. He, he's got everything that it, you need to elevate yourself into the next category. I reckon this kid. We'll see it. We'll see it soon, Andy. I'm certain yeah, of that. I agree. We better you. we better go, mate. Gabby's got to come on the her phone any tick of the clock here. Right, right. Let's get a wriggle on. We'll uh, come back here on Inside the Ropes with Gabby Ruffles talking to Mark Hayes and Stacey Peters. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Rose. It's my pleasure to, uh, well, rejoin you with another co-host, a regular to all our listeners on Inside the Ropes. Stacey Peters, welcome along. You've got a special couple of duties with us today, a big week in women's golf on the amateur and professional side. Thanks, Hazy. It's good to be on again. And obviously always nice when we've got some exciting things happening, happening in Aussie women's golf. So it's great to be on again. Thanks, Hazy. No worries, Stace, and we, there's nothing more exciting in this past week than our next guest who's joining us. Uh, she's, a, she's a regular on this program. We're very delighted to be able to say that, and uh, we welcome, I would imagine, an extremely tired Gabriella Ruffles back to Inside the Ropes. Welcome, Gabby, and before we even start, congratulations from the rest of the country on, on what you did there in Maryland over the last week. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me again. It's great to be back on the podcast. Are you knackered? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I uh, I feel like the USM is one of the longest and most grueling weeks mentally and physically in golf. Um, I think I played 11 or something rounds at that golf course, just like last year, and it's uh, one of the most hilly and challenging golf courses I've ever played. So, yes, I am very tired at the moment. Well, Gabby, firstly, um, like Aisy said, congratulations on what a fantastic uh I guess, attempt at title, title defence, um, where to really start. But um, how how did it feel? How did it feel going there as defending champion? Did you feel um, extra pressure um, going into the week? Yeah, for sure. And I think that was expected. Um, I've actually never defended a tournament before in tennis or golf. Um, so I was just kind of going into it thinking it was going to be a great experience to see how I handle the pressure and expectation and especially the pressure and expectation that I put on myself. Um, But I mean, it was such a special week. Everyone couldn't be nicer. They treated me amazing um, as defending champion. And um, I mean, even just hearing it on the first tee when they announced um, 119th U.S. Women's Amateur Champion before calling out my name, it just gave me chills. And I mean, the whole week was just super special and I'm super proud of the way that I was able to kind of handle the pressure and expectations of trying to defend. It was good from our perspective, Gabby, because they always um, give special, uh, I guess, credence to former USGA champions and they always include quotes and everything that we can pick up and follow along easily and there's a lot of stuff on social media, so it made it a lot easier for us to, to keep following along, so we were grateful for that, but it does come with that extra pressure that Stacey's talking about. Did it feel like it was an advantage to you as the week went on to be the defending champion against someone else, or was it a, a bit of a cross on your back that they lifted and tried to knock off the champ? No, I mean, I, I do think in part it was an advantage. I mean, I think a lot. it's a pretty well-known tournament, and I think that a lot of people knew that I guess I was the defending champion. Um, I'm a pretty modest person, so I, I mean, I don't really like to say anything like that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I also carried that confidence a little bit from last year into my matches and I kind of knew that I could, uh, could be with the best in the world and I have done it before. 
Um, so I think it was more just confidence in myself more than anything that um, whoever I played, I felt like I could um, win and, and do really well in the tournament. Yeah, that's great, Gab. And um, I know it's been talked about a, quite a bit in coverage and our, our media streams here um, that you were quite often down in the majority of your matches. And if I recall, that was a similar situation to last year. Do you think that's there's something in that? Like you just keep fighting, you keep, uh, or is it you prefer the back nine than the front nine? Um, <laughs> what do you what do you put this down to, Gab? Or you just got some a bloody lot of ticker? And you keep fighting to the very end, um, but it seems like majority it uh, it turns out okay for you. Yeah, it's actually kind of different from last year. Um, so last year at USM, I was actually winning my first couple matches pretty easy. I think I went like five and four, six and five, four and three, um, up until the quarters. Um, I think even in the semis, I won like three and two. So it was definitely a different story. I felt like this year. I think I feel like the first three to four matches, I was down early in all of them. Um, at least one or two down. And I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I really enjoyed the back nine. Um, but I felt like the back nine was so much harder than the front nine that it really was a great match play course because it really separated players, um, especially from holes 14 and on. They were extremely challenging holes requiring long irons and um, good putting coming in and you know, I'm so glad that I was able to um, do well in those holes and, you know, keep progressing in the tournament and, and win those tight matches. So before we get to talk about the, you know, the I guess the big finale, Gabby, the, I, it's an accepted thing across the world of golf that someone like a Brooks Kepka will lift for major championships, um, that we won't see the best of Brooks Kepka until we come to an important week on the calendar. Do you feel like you grow an extra leg when it comes to these bigger tournaments? You obviously handled yourself beautifully in, in winning that uh, the pro event, the, the Cactus Tour event in Las Vegas. You, you know, you acquitted yourself really well early, in particular in Jacksonville against the men. All of these things when, uh, I guess, you know, the odds are against you. Um, does that inspire you? Does that all, Is that what we might see in the future? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I have performed well um, when there has been a lot of attention and um, I guess a lot of spotlight. And um, I mean, I feel like that in part has to do with a little bit of experience from tennis um, and even coming over here to the States, I feel like I've been able to get used to kind of um, being in the spotlight a little bit, um, starting kind of like with the East Lake Cup when I was, a sophomore it was the first time um, I was on TV and there were cameras and it was on national TV. Um, but even nationals every year, um, we get put on TV too and there's a lot of exposure. So I feel like coming over to the States and playing in college, um, I've been able to kind of have a lot of experience with that. And I feel like I've been able to gradually each time get more comfortable with it. And, um, you know, I'm super grateful for that experience because I know a lot of other people don't get that, and then when they first get it, it's kind of overwhelming. So um, I'm glad that I've been able to have this, um, and, I mean, and I'm still pretty young. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an advantage, and I definitely feel like I do thrive in those uh, positions, which is pretty cool. 
Now, Gabby, I'm very fortunate in my role. I've got to watch you play a fair bit, and I know that the person who's on the other end of the line here has got a very close tie with you as well. I was looking back at a video the other day because I, w- I want to get to how you're so comfortable in this situation. Uh, I need to explain this to the listeners. It was a interstate championship. Uh, you were representing Victoria. Uh, it was at Royal Fremantle in Perth maybe four years ago, and, and you started the week at number four in a team of five, and in the final, in a team of six still, then you were elevated to number one. And you had Stacey Peters on the bag as caddy for that. <laughs> uh, do you remember that? Yes, of course I remember that. I forgot about that <laughs> for a little bit, but yes, I do remember that. That was awesome. That was such an awesome week. And for sure, that is kind of one of those experiences that I've been talking about that has kind of led me to be able to feel so comfortable, I guess, in that position. And so do you hark back? That's my question. Do you hark back to those... I mean, obviously played a bit of pennant here, but obviously in state teams and everything as well. And match play seems to suit you down to the ground. And I know, you know, I've spoken to Stace about it several times. You've got a, a, a grit about you. And I know you don't like talking about yourself, but that's pretty evident from a, from the sidelines watching on. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I have performed well in, in match play tournaments. And I think that also comes back to tennis um, and that I'm so used to being one-on-one, I feel like. And in golf, when you're playing stroke play, you're not, it's, I mean, you don't have that one-on-one. So when it comes to match play, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty comfortable and I have a lot of experience in that. And that's, you know, from pennant at playing for Victoria and um, the interstate matches I've been able to play in the juniors and uh, on the women's. And those were, those are one of the most fun weeks ever. And playing in a team is so much fun. And um, those experiences for sure have helped me um, get to where I am today. Stace, I want to ask you a question. Uh, uh, like, what is it about Gabby in your eyes? Because I can't ask Gabby all these questions uh, that you saw on the on her bag, and especially in that final when there was a big gallery around. Um, she was having having the experience of playing number one for a state for the first time uh, against a hot opponent from New South Wales on the day, and it all sort of came together in the crunch situation, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. And like, um, well, firstly, she obviously couldn't get anyone else to find to carry her bag. So I was what was left. <laughs> and then... Um, Not true. <laughs> Thanks, Gab. Um, like Gab mentions with the, the tennis side of things, you know, she's so used or has been used to being so one-on-one, head-to-head with one component. I think that probably plays a big part. But with Gab, you just see, like, so much ticker. She has so much ticker down the stretch that she will never, ever give up, even though she may not always finish out on top. But right back, way back then um, at those interstate series, like, she she really played those last probably three or four holes the best she had all week. And she deserved to be put number one for that final. She'd shown that the last four days. Um, so I just think the amount of grit that Gab has is, like, something that I don't think we see that often. Um, and it's something you can't necessarily teach you you have to you have to learn that, and that's a huge asset Gab, Gab has, and hopefully that'll keep building. I think that's beautifully put. Now, Gab, that brings us back to this week when, and I think that perhaps the quarter final. If correct me if I'm wrong, but it was is it Amelia Migliaccio from uh, from the United States? Yes. So she's ranked number four in the world, and that just seemed like an epic battle. Um, it, 
did you still do you steal yourself for specific matches like that knowing that she's going to be a brutal opponent or do you just just play your own game and just see what happens and shake hands at the end yeah for sure i actually um knew her pretty well she plays golf at wake forest which um is one of the top teams in the country so we play against them a lot and i played her before in the north and south um last year actually in the semifinals um so I knew, I mean, I knew that she was a great player and a great competitor. Um, but I kind of drew a little bit of confidence earlier in the week when I played Angelina um, Ye from China, and she goes to Stanford. And she uh, won the junior, U.S. junior last year. So I knew that was going to be a tough match, too. Um, and I ended up winning that on the 18th as well. Um, so coming into the quarterfinal match, I knew, I knew Amelia was going to be a really, really tough match. And that was actually one of the most intense, if not the most intense of the whole week. And um, I ended up making birdie, uh, sinking a 10 foot putt on the 18th to win. And I don't know, that was one of the best feelings ever. Um, it was such a tight match the whole way. And I was down, I was down, I think like three um, at the start of the match. So I was just super happy that I was able to pull through because I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it when I was down. So um, that was definitely a, a really, really cool match. And Gab, in that match, um, I think this is the one where... How was your reaction on the 18th? I'm not sure if you've been lucky enough to see the footage of that. There was no no excitement shown. Was that just pure <laughs> relief that uh, you birdied that hole? Like, um, talk us through your reaction to that, Gab. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did see my reaction um, later when I was having lunch, actually. Um, and it felt just like it was pure relief. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was like. a crazy match. Yeah, just pure relief, just that it's over. Like, I thought that we, because I thought that she made her putt. Um, I don't know if they showed that, but she had like a 40 footer, maybe, um, uphill, right to last putt, and it almost went in. I think it just like lipped out. And, and then I was like facing my 10 footer, uh, for the win, almost like preparing myself to go to down one to play extra holes. And then it goes in and I was like, did that really, really just happen? Am I going to the semis? Really? <laughs> um, so it was super cool. It was such a crazy match. And, um, I feel like I gained a lot of confidence from that match for the rest of the tournament for sure. So a hard-fought semi-final, Gabby, and then it comes to the one that uh, had us all riveted to our lounge chairs yesterday or overnight. In Stacey's case, she went the whole way with you, which is epic. If I can see her face now on, on a little Teams meeting here, but you can't see it, but she's still carrying the signs of uh, an overnighter, an all-nighter <laughs> watching you play the final, Gab. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thanks, Stacey. It was worth it. It was worth it, Gab. That's awesome. So, Thank you. So, so we so um, it came on television here at home uh, when you got into the final nine holes, and obviously it had been an epic match. Looking at the tweets that Stacey had put out and looking at the scores at the time, uh, which is on a knife's edge, going back and forward, and even from that point, it went both ways until I don't know. It seemed to me the sixteenth, the, the the long par three, was your hole all through the week, as well as the 14th, perhaps. But uh, a putt on that hole, to me, looked like it was going in for a long way. You must have been uh, starting to feel like you were getting on top. That was the impression we got watching here. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think I leveled it out 
early on maybe like 10 or 11 or something like that. And then on 13, no, sorry, on 12, that hole has been, was giving me trouble all week. I lost that hole. 13, I hit it to like maybe like 10 feet and then made the putt for birdie to square it back up. And then I thought, okay, at this point, like, I think I've got it. Um, maybe. Um, and then 14, 14, uh, she flared her shot right and she never misses. Um, Rose is super, such a consistent player that whenever I had an opportunity, um, I thought I had to take advantage of it. So she hit hers right. And then I hit a pretty good approach shot. It's such a long hole, the 14 pole. I think I had like four iron in or something. Um, and then, so she was first to chip and she chipped it to about, a foot like she always does. Um, so, and then I just two putted mine, but I thought that could be a turning point there. Um, but she, I mean, obviously she recovered great. And then on 16, um, I hit a great four iron two to about 20 feet, such a tough hole too. Um, and then she hit her hybrid to maybe like 40 feet, tough downhill, right to left putt, hits it to about a foot, of course. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it was just, she recovered so amazing throughout the whole match and barely, like, let me in. And anytime she did make a mistake, like, as you guys probably saw in 18, she recovered so well. And that just goes to show, like, how great of a uh, player she is. And she's great at pitching and chipping. And I feel like I can learn from that a little bit. <laughs> That's very magnanimous of you. And we're talking about Rose Zhang here. He's 17 years old from California. Um, a fantastic player, committed to Stanford in the future, but not even at university yet. Gabby, you, you sort of almost had a stalemate on the 17th and you're walking up the 36th hole. Um, it's all to play for. You, you don't hit your best drive. You find a reasonable lie, it looked like, in the right rough. But Rose was in desperate trouble up the left and had to pitch out under trees. And she's 60, 70 metres maybe short of the green for two. Mm -hmm. You're on the green now for two, having played a great second. And she's in deepish rough, 70 metres from the green with not much green to work with. What the hell's going through your mind at that stage? Yeah, so actually on 18T, um, I flared mine out right a little bit and was kind of disappointed because I knew I was in the rough and the rough was super thick. But then she, uh, she came on the tee and she hit hers way less left of the cart path and she hadn't done that all day. I don't think she had missed a fairway all day. She's been super consistent. So that kind of came out of nowhere and it was a little kind of glimmer of hope, I guess. Um, and then I hit my shot, uh, maybe like 30 feet, maybe on the green safe. I knew that's all I had to do. Um, she just kind of put the pressure on and then she had a hybrid out, um, left it in the rough. You couldn't even see the ball. Um, it was sitting so far down. And then her pitch shot, I'll, like, always remember, like, it landed so perfectly onto the green and just rolled up so perfect to give me range. Um, and at that point, I mean, I honestly thought that was going to be the turning point of the match and that could very well be the end. Um, but as she had been doing all day, she recovered really, really well. And, you know, I, then I had that putt to win the match and left it a few feet short. Um, then I kind of had to reset for, uh, the next couple of holes. And I didn't know that, uh, the playoff holes were eight and nine. So I kind of had to get myself mentally prepared for that too. 
And Gab, you can be absolutely honest here, because this will just stay between you, me, and Hazy, obviously. Um, <laughs> you don't have to tell us what you actually thought when she hit that her uh, shot in there to gimme range. But then she gave you your second putt, which on TV looked quite a generous thing to do when you're playing for the US Amateur. Do you think that was generous? Yes, for sure. I was very shocked. I was prepared. I, I was definitely prepared to hit that putt. It was about three feet, if not more, I'd say. Um, and I mean, anything, I feel like outside of two, two and a half feet, you'd make them play, especially at that point. So, I mean, I was super shocked. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to take it for sure. Um, Pick it up. Yeah, I mean, not. it was just... It, yeah, yeah, I picked it up quick and got to the next hole. Um, but yeah, definitely was pretty shocked. I just, I'm still staggered. I, I mean, you're very composed, even 24 hours later now talking to you. I, I just can't get over that third shot that Rose played. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for the. As long as I live, I won't forget that shot. I mean, it was, it was one thing to keep it yeah. on the green, but to have it, have it roll to four inches or less was just it was an extraordinary shot i mean I, I i don't even know how you compose yourself to putt after that but you did you got it down the 37th um you know she made a, a good i guess comeback putt for a par there to keep the match rolling did you have any inkling of what was ahead when you stepped to the ninth tee which was your 38th yeah um we both made pars on the 37th which is a pretty tough hole um and then the ninth hole has been a tough hole the whole week. It's super long. Uh, I usually have like a five iron or four iron into a pretty tight green. Um, and then by that point, I mean, you're starting to get like mentally and, you know, physically exhausted and it's harder to concentrate. Um, so I think I was up first and then I kind of pulled my drive to the left in the rough. And whenever you're in the rough, it's a disadvantage. Um, and she striped her drive down the middle um, and then I was up next, and I was kind of debating with my caddy whether to hit a six iron or five iron out of the rough. Um, I didn't kind of know how it would react, but it, I flushed it a little bit too much, and it kind of rolled over the back of the green. And then she hit a great shot in and to about 30 feet, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I hit my chip pretty good, and I thought I hit my putt online, but... <laughs> just slipped out um but yeah I mean at that point I was so tired and uh I just think I needed to concentrate that little bit more um but it was a great match and I'm really proud of the way I kind of hung tough until the very end so we had a good chat with your brother Ryan I'm not sure if you listened to it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when he had his disappointment uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he talked about going away and analysing things and learning from them. Is that something, a process you've already started, or did it start straight away, or is it just time to chill out and not worry about it for a couple of days? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I'm going to learn so much from that week. I feel like I learn something every tournament I play in, and that's why I'm always so eager to go out and play tournaments, um, because I feel like I'm still new to this game, still learning um, so I feel like every tournament, I'm going to take something huge from it. And especially this tournament. Um, I mean, I haven't quite processed, I guess, everything yet. And I'll spend some time 
you know, analyzing it with my coach and my mental coach, Jamie, and everyone. Um, but, I mean, I feel like there's always something you can learn. And, I mean, for now, I'm going to kind of let my brain relax a little bit and just kind of take a little rest from the week. But, um, yeah, definitely in a couple of days, I'll uh, kind of speak to everyone and try and see what we can uh, do from here on in to improve. I'm going to let Stace in a second ask you a question about what lies ahead immediately for you here, Gabby. But um, I, I would just touching on something you said there, if you don't mind, and it's a tough question to answer. I know this because you won't know your ceiling. You've been playing competitive golf for five, nearly six years, perhaps now. Where on the scale of the finished product of Gabriella Ruffles are you, do you think right now, are, are, we, are we scratching the surface? Are we 80% of the way there? What, what do you think the ceiling is, given that you said you're still learning so much? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I would know as much as you guys would. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I feel like I'm just a person that, I mean, as I said last time, like I don't really set myself goals. I just try and go out there, work as hard as I can, and have as much fun as I possibly can. And I feel like if I can do that, then... Um, you know, you never know what can happen. And, you know, I mean, I'm just going to keep doing that, keep going, um, keep doing what I'm doing, and uh, we'll see. And I think um, with, if, you, if you keep that attitude, then you're never going to stop learning and getting better. So it's, it's awesome to hear, especially when, I guess, this disappointment is still so fresh. It's, it's great to hear, to hear you, Gab. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking, looking forward to uh, everything that's ahead. Some... Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, Gab, there's a bit of a delay. Um, and just looking forward now, Gab, obviously you have the British Open coming up. Um, I guess obviously very keen to be playing any sort of LPGA event, but, but a major in itself, that's got to be pretty exciting. And especially with the, uh, the big man Luke Mackey heading across with you. How's your thoughts heading into that? And how are you going to handle having to put up with Luke all the time? <laughs> yeah, I'm super, yeah, I'm super excited to head over. Um, uh, we're leaving actually on Saturday. So I have a couple of days to kind of chill out and then get back into it. But um, it should be fun, especially with uh, Mackie on the bag. It's always exciting. You never know what you're going to get with him, I feel like. But, uh, no, it'll it'll be fun. Um, super excited and uh, can't wait to play in my second major. I've actually never played in Europe, so just kind of learning and, like I keep saying, learning from all these experiences and, uh, yeah, we'll see how I can do over there. Great. And um, have you done much research on Royal Troon and what do you think is going to uh, be the keys for you? Obviously, it's going to be a huge learning thing. You're not, you haven't played in Europe, UK proper Lynx golf before what do you think um it's going to take for you to play play well over there or you know get the most out of the week I guess yeah I'm I know I have not done any research on Drone yet um I've just kind of been trying to focus on uh kind of USAM and even finishing some of my summer school classes <laughs> so um, now I have some time to kind of go over it and ask some questions to different people um, and start getting into it. But, you know, I feel like I'm just going to have to go there and just kind of with an open mind and, and, 
you know, I have three practice rounds to try and get a good look at the course and uh, get used to the conditions over there and even the time change and everything. So um, I'm just excited to be playing in a major and be playing competing against the best in the world. Um, I, I mean, I feel like any time that I test myself like this, I feel like I learn so much. And, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to get over there. I can't imagine uh, teeing up at Troon for your first experience in a major championship for your first experience at Lynx Golf. But I, I do think, Gabby, that perhaps your your background in Australia is uh, probably going to stand you in good stead there. You know, playing in the wind, playing where you have to bump and run shots up onto greens, especially your home club, Victoria, for example. That's, uh, you know, it, it sounds like a daunting task, but you have got the background to be able to do this. Is that a fair comment? For sure. Um, I feel like the courses in Australia are more like Europe than America. Um, I haven't been back to Australia in a while, um, which is super sad, but I do, I can draw a lot of experience from the golf that I have been able to play over there, even at like 13th Beach and the Dunes. Um, I have been able to play some link style courses with, I mean, in pretty tough conditions. So I feel like those will definitely be great experiences to kind of look back on. And, um, but I know it's going to be, it's going to be different to, especially what I've been playing over here and I've been getting used to the U S courses, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I can't wait to get over there and learn and, and see how golf in Europe is really like. You told us last time you're on, you've got no plans to abandon, uh, USC at the moment. So we take that as being still the case, but, you keep racking up these uh, exemptions, Gab. You've uh, got another one into the U.S. Women's Open uh, for 2021 and obviously the one still coming up in 2020 from last year as well. Uh, these major championships, I mean, you just it's such an unbelievable grounding you're getting on the LPGA Tour right in the, the deep end in so many respects. And next year, uh, as, as you and I were saying during the week, Olympic Club. I mean, what a great opportunity that's going to be, uh, one of the storied courses in American golf. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm so I'm so grateful that I've been able to play golf over here, and I feel like you get so much exposure and and so many great opportunities um, over here, and I'm so grateful for that. And uh, you know, I have an exciting year ahead um, with the three majors coming up, and uh, and the U.S. Women's Open the following year, which is which is a great bonus. Um, so, I mean, as I keep saying, I can't wait to learn from all these events and, uh, keep racking up some experience playing against the best in the world. Well, I don't know. I just can't imagine a better space. I can't imagine that there's a better way to introduce yourself to the cut and thrust of the LPGA tour than what Gabby's going through right now. It's a, it's an incredible opportunity that she's been handed here or not handed. She's won through a great play. Yeah, it's it's amazing, Gab. I think you're going to have an awesome 12 months, and I think it's going to be a great lead up, um, you know, for when it is you you think you're ready and want to be turning professional. You're just going to be gathering experience in the truckloads, so it's going to be exciting, exciting 12 months ahead. Gab, yeah, for really sure. It's going to be. It's going to. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go, mate. You, it's all yours. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, for sure, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to uh, play in all these. Obviously, it's been a weird year with coronavirus and everything. I should have played, I feel like, maybe three of them by now. Um, but, I mean, they're all kind of in the back end of the year. So I've had a little bit more time to kind of prepare and everything for them. And, 
yeah, I mean, I just can't wait to get out there and, and get going with them. Well, a USGA specialist, I'm going to call you. I think I, I was doing the research during the week with a crew from the USGA, and that's 11 wins to start your USGA senior open, open age career uh, on the bounce. I just, that's a second only. I don't know if you know that, Gabby, but it's the second most number of wins ever to start your US women's amateur career in the history of that event, the greatest event in women's golf on an amateur side of things. Um, the second only to someone who did it in 1909, 1910, and 11. So that's pretty amazing when you think about that. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, obviously, right now, I wish it could have been 12, but uh, no, but correct. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really cool achievement, especially. Um, it's just so amazing to look back on it, especially like, I mean, when I was like five years ago, kind of not knowing what to do after I stopped playing tennis and to kind of get to this point, it's just sometimes I have to like pinch myself to even think that this is really happening. Um, it's just, it's so cool. Well, Gabby, know that whatever you do, you're going with the uh, the full support of everyone here at home. And we're, we're thrilled as always that you pick up the phone and chat with Inside the Ropes. You've, you've got a legion of fans growing, even if you don't realize. Well done again. And thanks for taking us on a special ride and joining us again today. Thank you so much. Gabby Ruffles joining us here on Inside the Ropes. We'll be back in a second, Stace, and we'll pick up a conversation about the women's golf uh, for the next couple of weeks. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Stacey Peters hanging around to keep talking to me for a little while longer. How good is it to talk to Gabby Ruffles? She's uh, amazing that she gets on the line and joins us whenever we uh, put it to her, Stacey. She's, she's an amazing young woman. Yeah, it was great to chat to her. And, you know, 24 hours after she gets done in the USM final and so upbeat, already looking at, all right, where can I get better? How can I get better? What's next? Um pretty impressive it's uh it's great great to have her on the show we forget she's 20 years of age has been playing golf competitively for five years it's 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 unthinkable anyway uh as you said to her she's got a a couple of massive tournaments ahead and most uh pressingly right now is the women's british open and we wanted to talk to you not only about that but all things about the lpga tour having just finished in Ohio, and now the, 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 the women jumped on a specially chartered plane, uh, keeping the bubble intact for the LPGA and flying directly to Scotland for the uh, Scottish Women's Open starting this week. Yeah, the girls are off to um, North Berwick in, at uh, Renaissance Golf Club. So that was where it was played last year as well. So, yeah, it's great. We'll have uh, quite a few Aussies over there. Um, special mention to... Steph Kuriaku, who will be heading over for probably her second event as a professional now, which wow. is kind of crazy to think about, um, Hazy. You know, she turned pro after winning in Bonville last year. Oh, sorry, early in the year. Feels like last year. Um, plays one event as a professional. Then the world gets tipped upside down with uh, COVID. And then hasn't been able to play an event since. So she is just itching at the bit to get going. So pretty excited for her to uh, be playing at Renaissance and then Royal Troon the following week. But it's it's been funny chatting with quite a few of the girls, even some girls that have headed over on the charter. They're all messaging me once they've had their, their COVID test done. Oh, it hurt so much. It made my eyes water, blah, blah. 
I'm like, come on, girls, we're playing golf. All right, let's get excited. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, yeah, we won't complain. We've got a tournament to play. So no, I think it's going to be it's going to be a great week with lots of Aussies represented, and probably we've got to be a little excited with uh, the form that Minji's in, wouldn't you say, Hazy? <laughs> I'm extremely excited about the form that Minji's in. I can't wait to see uh, her game adapts to anything really quickly. But another person uh, that I'm excited to see back on the competitive stage because she hasn't been able to get to the United States uh, for, for, is Hannah Green. And for that matter, Sue O, who, who have bypassed the last couple of weeks and have flown out uh, of Perth and Melbourne, respectively, to, to get to Scotland and play these events as well. So it's almost a coming together. And if they can all bring back the same form that Minji's brought back in her two weeks in Ohio, then we're going to see something pretty special from, from, our, from our girls, Stace. Mm, I think it's, it's going to be an exciting way to head. It really is. Now, Troon's special place in your heart, Stace. So I, I know that, um, you know, as the golf nerd that you are, that you must have had some sort of experience with with one of the great courses in Scottish and in world golf. Well, I can't say I've actually played Royal Troon, but like All you right. mentioned, I I am maybe was yeah I'm a little golf nerd I'd say that I did um <laughs> I was staying on the back of the golf course at one one year I was playing the Scottish Open nearby, and I just thought I can't come to or be at Royal Troon and not get to experience at least the postage stamp, the famous par three eight, I think um, it is. So I just decided that I'm going to play it and I'm going to do it at like 5.30 in the morning. So nobody's going to notice. So out I go and um, I did set up the iPad. I recorded it all and <laughs> I played the postage stamp <laughs> and then got Are out of there. Are you serious? <laughs> I did. I did. And um, I've still, I've got video proof. And I made a bogey. I purposely wanted to head in the trap because you don't want to just play the hole simply. Um, yeah, but that's my story of Royal Troon. But I'm looking forward to hearing more more than just the postage stamp. That's the, the most, I think it's 123 or 4 or something yards, that eighth hole. It's the probably the most famous 123 yards. I mean, there are more famous par threes probably, but... Uh, probably nothing like that one in terms of bang for your buck in distance terms. Well, I can't believe you did that. I cannot believe it. Yeah, you probably think I shouldn't have gone out there, but, you know, I had to tick it off. I, I can say <laughs> I've played Royal Touring Tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. Well you, well, you have. You've set foot on the hello ground. So, look, that's going to be – I think it's great when the, the Women's British Open um, brings to light courses that we all know and love and cherish uh, and, and, you know, exposes – the best in women's golf to the best courses in the world. So that's going to be a treat. As you mentioned, though, Stace, uh, Minji Lee is coming there in hot form, and that comes on the back of a, a tie for third, uh, an unexpected tie for third, realistically, at the Marathon Championship in Ohio. Uh, she On the back of a couple of eagles, including a slam dunk, uh, as she came to close her final round for an eagle three. She's just got some sort of wizardry going on with the, the sandwich at the moment yeah how's the consistency of minji's golf last week i think it was rounds what 68 67 68 68 i think she's playing some really consistent golf and i'm really excited to watch her these next couple of weeks in the uk now we talk about the marathon championship and minji obviously did well there 
there were two people ahead of her on the leaderboard. One of them is Danielle Kang, and one of them is Lydia Ko. And five hole, six holes from the finish, Stace, it was Lydia Ko who led Danielle Kang by five strokes. That, uh, you know, for a player of her, from, of my caliber, that's no, that's nothing certain. But for Lydia Ko, surely that's something that, you know, she just puts it in the bank and walks away. Yeah, that was really tough to watch, Hazy. Um, and whether you put it down to, you know, Lydia really hasn't been in this position for a long time. And I think that's why we were all rooting for her, weren't we? Um, or maybe that's, you know, the down under in this. We're, we're barracking for a Kiwi. We shouldn't say that too loud. But I think everybody was right behind Lydia. And to to see what happened to her, especially on the last, um, she will be... Yeah, she'll be scratching her head for a long time about that one. And Danny Elkin was just kind of handed the victory in the end. So, so disappointed for Lydia, but let's hope she can really bounce back from it. So two bogeys and a double bogey on the last for Lydia Ko. A couple of birdies thrown in there for Danielle Kang on the way home. And lo and behold, she's standing on top for the second week in a row. She's the winner. Um, ironically, I suppose, given we just talked to Gabby, she, you know, she's the last person to win back-to-back. Uh, U.S. Amateur crowns as well, so um, it's a sort of strange turn of events there for Danielle King. But she's she's the woman, obviously in form, going throwing back forward to um, you know what's coming up and talking about Danielle King. Um, she has she she's got a rare opportunity here, obviously to keep it running. But all the top women, without some of the Korean powerhouses coming across to play for COVID-related reasons. It's going to be a different time, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. And there's, we're seeing a lot of different um, different people up the top of the leaderboard, would you say? Um, yeah. And I think that's going to continue continue to happen. And hopefully that'll give, like the likes of Jodie Uichov. She's had some great results these last two weeks. Um, and, you know, her heading back to England, um, you know, where she's probably most comfortable, I think we'll see her continue this great form, build on the confidence that she has. Obviously, it's going to be hard to going past Danielle Kang, the form she's in. But winning back-to-back, I mean, she's got to be exhausted. Um, But, yeah, hopefully for her that she can carry this form over. Well, it's going to be a gripping time the next couple of weeks, Stace. I don't know. um, It's really good, I reckon, for the women's game to have the spotlight so quickly after it came back. Um, I'm not sure, Andy will no doubt talk about in coming weeks, the importance or otherwise of the FedEx Cup playoffs, but I think the women's game can really jump up and and make its mark in the next couple of weeks. I, I assume you think the same thing. Yeah, I do, and I think it got quite a lot of coverage since we were up against the PGA as well. Um, I think that was maybe that was because of how Lydia did unfortunately finish and then us with a huge focus on US Amateur. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the women's golf has done great over the last couple of weeks since since coming back. It's been really in the spotlight. Which, And then I think rolling to Scotland and obviously Troon, I think the – the focus is going to continue. Um, let's hope we can we can build on this and roll with it. 
Perfect. Thanks, Stace. I, I think I should let you go. I'm going to uh, bring Andy back in for the last little shot out here, but we really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your schedule. I know you've got a couple of meetings to run to, so thank you uh, for joining us again on Inside the Ropes. A wonderful host. Thanks again. Thanks very much for always having me on, but I'm, uh, I'll be happy to hear Andy back. <laughs> we'll be back with Andy Ma again straight after this break. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Righto, we're just about done and dusted. There's been a heap to talk about and there'll be a lot more to come in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Anything to finish off with today, Hazy? Just a couple of quick things, Andy. Very quickly, I noticed the uh, PGA Tour and its wisdom is going way out of its way by taking the um, President's Cup up across the border to Royal Montreal Golf Club in 2024. Oh, so there's well another home game for the Yanks, basically. <laughs> so it is, it, to be fair, Royal Montreal is a ripping course and the Canadians will get right yep. behind it and give the Americans a hard time. So that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem to me to be a global competition as much as it could be and should be that event. But uh, congrats to Royal Montreal. I do want to mention just briefly, Andy, there's a, uh, a an evening coming up at the um, Pennant Hills Golf Club in Sydney um, f- to honour Tony Gresham, who's one of the great amateur players we've ever had in this country. Um, on the 5th of September, um, as the club's paying a special tribute, he competed seven times in the Eisenhower Cup, was the captain in 1980. He's had 13 New South Wales Open wins. Um, I just want to just let people know that uh, get in contact with Pennant Hills if you want to go and uh, pay tribute to Tony Gresham, one of the great men in Australian golf. Uh, we probably should try to get him on at some stage before that, Andy, and have a great. bit of a yak. Yeah. Um, I know that Clates will be the, the font of knowledge there. But yeah, if you are interested in that, I think it's $85 a person. It's going to be a very special cocktail function at Pennant Hills. Um, I encourage anyone who's ever gone to watch him play to get out there and get involved with that one. Good idea. Great call uh, for a man who's made a huge contribution to the game here in Australia. Uh, That's it. We are done for another week. Uh, Thanks to Peters. Thanks to Ruffles. Uh, Great to have her on the show. I reckon it won't be the last time uh, that we hear from that young lady here on Inside the Ropes. Good to see you again, Hazy. Uh, See you next week. Thanks, Murray. Cheers. All the best. Uh, Have a great week. Uh, Wherever you might find yourself, folks, uh, this has been Episode 176. Back next week to do it all again.